0: Hey there and welcome everybody. This is Tevo D'Arcy from Tevo Creative Ministries. We're here to talk about the body of Christ to the body of Christ, for the body of Christ, trying to represent a movement called Cross Body Unity based on Book of Ephesians, mentored by Paul, everyone walking in meekness and lowliness and longsuffering to keep relationship unity in the body of Christ. That means leaders, family, parents, but also knowing our doctrine so we're not legalizing, accusing. When you have legalism, then it breeds Pharisee, which is accusation. I like to think of it as critical equals Levitical in the New Testament. Back in the old day, uh, God set up the law after the sin in the garden because of mayhem and society and of human nature, the fall of mankind. So he set it up to guard, guide, and govern and remind people there is a, an eternal God. So they also instituted the sacrifices and the many rules. And this was to protect men and women. It was like a schoolmaster. But when Jesus Christ came, he came to get victory over human nature, to give us back the Holy Spirit power of self-government, to keep watch over our own lips to practice self control and then to overcome the accuser. This is all written in Revelation seven through twelve, excuse me, twelve, chapter twelve, seven through eleven where it says the church, that's they, the end time church, all of us, if we know about it, if we've been taught about this, they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Who did they overcome? Who is they? The church. The church is the people who've made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. All right, they overcame him. Who's him? The demonic accuser. The first sin in the garden was after the, and it's written in, described Genesis 3. What happened before then is written in. Revelation 12, 7 through 11. It's very interesting why Jesus came, his victory, and he gave back, handed back power over the devil, the deceiver, the accuser for the church. If the church ever is interested enough to take ownership, to go study it and actually put it into practice and train many people with it. Okay, so this devil is a liar. He's an accuser. And the first thing he did was try to destroy God's order. He tried to destroy the relationships. And see, the accuser is after the fault finder in the Christian community is after harmony in relationships, whether it's in family, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in the church, and the church is. And then what we do or don't do really affects society because men and women, if they have no self-control, if they have a lot of doubt, if they cause pain to people and each other, then the word gets out that they're really not a wholesome community. Why bother to go near them? So this is what we're doing is trying to get some kind of doctrinal reform. And we're going to go teach through before the law, Genesis one through 2, 1 and 2. Then we see what happened, why they needed the law after pain came in, disobedience, disrespect for relationships, even accusation then the law was needed to have a penalty when sin started to manifest you know even after the garden the first thing was adam you know eve was deceived adam willfully participated and god had told him back in genesis before genesis 1 i mean in genesis 1 and 2 before eve was formed out of his dna that Do not eat of that tree. Well, she was deceived, but when she gave it to Adam, he had will. He had the choice. He had the control to say, I'm going to either eat that fruit or obey God and put him before my wife. But he didn't. And this is the whole thing. And I believe that right after God confronted Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? Not Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? Like a good dad. He wasn't yelling and screaming, accusing, you know, reviling him. He wanted Adam to fess up, man up, and give Adam, he gave Adam time like a great parent. Adam, where are you? In other words, I really know what's going on, but I'm letting you have time to see if you'll tell the truth, to fess up, and human up. And then if you ask my forgiveness, I might forgive you. I don't know if God would have forgiven, but I believe he probably would have if Adam had just, you know, risen up. Well, when God tried to confront Adam, hold him accountable. Adam started to display his fallen nature. He started to accuse Eve. He said, well, God, it was that woman that you gave me. He started to blame shift and duck and avoid, which is a very big human trait right now. Also, the woman did it. It's her fault is big. Also, it's huge, even in Christian leadership. So we're trying to hold people accountable. We're trying to teach the truth not back under the law, but we do say that the law was there for its time being, the whole new Old Testament, as a schoolmaster, but also to let people know that they could never measure up. The law was one thing to know that there is a law, but to actually do the law is impossible, was impossible, yet people really did as much as they could, and then they had Pharisees that came out of it, and the Pharisees were the ones that were in the temples. You know, I'm not putting down the priests, but after they got some warnings in the Old Testament about money, about the law, about being an Edomite, in Obadiah, Jeremiah, the leaders were held accountable by God for God's people. We can see that the reason that Jesus Christ was sent in Revelation 12 7 through 11 to overcome accusation and the the father of lies himself and knowing about the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony how to forgive people forget but also what to do when you to not accuse not to bully not to cuss somebody out and scream at them not to lecture them cut them down with God's help but also how to act if people do that unjustly to you and I've had experience with having to forgive and it's God's mercy that he gives you help you know a lot of things are missing that affect community and our our ministry is to teach one community with everyone doing hearing God and displaying the nature of God the way they see fit I'm not saying everyone be the same conforming this is not one world church this is one God directed community in unity walking out the Philadelphian love walk, the bride of Christ, males and females, and no bias, no racism, everyone equal. And that is Ephesians 4, knowing that it is a relationship matter. It says, Paul commands walking in meekness and lowliness and long suffering. That's humility, no self-righteousness. And that's going to be the secret. It's got to be the secret to this move of God. Also, knowing the common doctrines, they're not back under the law. We'll go about that later today if I get to it. So we look back at the Old Testament. We see, well, you know, people were shown by Moses' Ten Commandments, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Levitical law, that they couldn't keep all that. It was, But they were told to do it, and they tried. And then... Society was, you know, because people did kill each other, they had penalties and offerings and sacrifices and all those things. But the devil was loose. It was the devil that was in back of everything. And he was still working on conning and his cunning after the first sin of accusation where the devil, the Satan snake, accused God to Eve. And he said, God did not want you to have that piece of fruit. He just... Because he didn't want you to make you smart like he is, and she fell for it. Well then Adam turned to resemble the accuser when he said, Well, that woman made me do it to God, trying to duck and avoid. So character was being affected, but relationships were being affected because people's hearts were not fully onto serving the Lord, they were more into pleasing themselves or someone else, and that's where we live today. When sin gets worse you know, every generation it can get worse. We look at chapter 4 of Genesis when the two children of Adam and Eve that were born, Cain and Abel. will Cain is envious of his brother Abel because of the offerings. God liked Abel's offerings more and there was envious self-talk. We look at relationships. I wrote them at the top of onlinefellowship.us, the 10 Bible relationships, really about eight of them, and then two modern day ones that are affected by pressure, the heat of the world, and that only God can help us keep our self-control from accusing or doing something that is unjust to somebody with God's power. That's why the Christian has the power when they invite Jesus into their heart to overcome because he gives you the holy spirit fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit in that amazing acts book of acts is very practical and it's not all white all right so we look at the harmony god really called for and his design in the garden before the fall before adam willfully participated all right <laughs> excuse me so we look and we see peace there's no big i no little you There's no control. There's no put downs. There's no crying or anger. And we see that God made Adam first in chain of command, not dominating, not, you know, lording it over you, little woman, because you're not as good, because you're second rate, you came after me. No, they were equal. God just wanted chain of command. And when you look at how he formed Eve, God formed Eve out of the DNA. Of Adam. That means she's just as good, just got different functions. And yet, in this world today, there's no legalism. There can be governing leaders, males and females, even leaders in the churches. We're not for division. We're not for poor me, oh yeah, the woman, you know, I'm not a women's liber at all. I was never raised under the law. I never knew about Christians being legalistic or bitter about a female. Growing up in my father who was a pastor and all my family, many Christians of generations on both sides, and it was just whatever your gift is, you do it. It wasn't law. We lived in looking in hindsight, Ephesians five twenty one and a five twenty two. In marriage, my mom and her family, all the different ones, Ephesians and that's how I my, the people I like the most do that without even thinking about it. You don't think about it, but when you analyze it, it is Ephesians 5.21. In a contented marriage, they're both equal. They're both separate but equal, and get along. It's fun, family fun. They're a team. That's Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. And then, wives, it's not hard if you your husband is submitted to you. You know what I mean? You're polite, respectful caring what the other feels and values and working out negotiation not a hitler style of marriage then it's easy it's simpler just to say well you know if we disagree we let the husband pray and decide and we'll do what he says or get his opinion it's not some kind of big legalism some big muckety-muck throwing their weight around or some you know I've never seen it until I got in with the spirit filled and their views of males and females. That's why I'm teaching to defrag old time country law, wannabeism, and, you know, I don't know where they get it from old spiritual pappy up in the mountains with the Jezebel. I'm really, I mean, I cannot believe what I've found on this journey. God is good. And what I've talked about is all white. Now, I'm sure there are many African Americans and other dark-skinned people that have their own strange doctrine, but nobody's ever jumped me in public from there, the black community. It's only been this kind that have a, I hate to say, it, a demonic spirit mixed in with false teaching and a lot of gall. <laughs> disrespect certain kinds so if i'm confronting it it's on behalf of the body of christ the men and women who are not like that because your names are getting mixed up in that and we need this out we need to get it gone it is very um demeaning frustrating to the normal person if they know their manners if they have manners know their bible and they're not stuck back in the old-timey law trying to get ahead and look good Right. A lot of this law thing, you know, who's over who I gotta be under somebody is all to guard their pride, their power, their position, and their mammon. And I know there's hard work and people do act unruly, but then most of what I found is really just wanting to be patrician. That's false teaching, which means like the Roman patricians, you can Google them on Wikipedia. They were the eight aristocrats haughty aristocrats who had the power over everybody 80 of them so to me what I see is a lot of patricianism mixed up with country misogyny mixed up with country law and that is why I'm speaking out because see I've never met I've never met family men Real men that were like board members and family friends, or women who were like this. And these, I've never met it till I ran into the Western European Levitical patriarchism movement called shepherding. And now I call it whelp because it's got a sting. And so we're trying to deliver it by this teaching. All right. So when we have the body of Christ that is mature in ministry and we want a move of God. I don't believe we're going to ever get it, fighting amongst ourselves, being a backbiter, a misogynist, a chauvinist, a racist, poor me, that type of thing, and also a turf protector that is not, that is anti-Paul, it is anti, he says he's pro-community, they say go to house to house, They, they worship from house to house. They were not legalistic, saying, no, you've gone to too many houses this week. You're a househopper, like they do right now on the grassroots in charismatics everywhere, practically. And they say, oh, you're watching. You're not in church this Sunday. That's legalism speaking. Oh, yes, you're a church hopper. We saw you more than one. You know, you're church hopping. You've got to be under one kind, one only. And see, that is a huge rule out there. Males, everybody believes that. Now, I'm going to talk that and make people stirred up, because I know that is a pet thing with certain kinds of preachers. I believe that is under the law, but we don't want to preach doctrine that is flaky. So, I believe God wants us to fellowship with the saints, Hebrews 10.25. I believe he wants to send us to where he sends you for his reasons And his seasons, and where you'll like it, where you'll fit in. I believe that if you feel like you're sent to a church, and some people are not sent because they can't trust a friendly fire fellowship, I understand that also equally. All right. Then if you find that you can trust and you go, then you are to commit. You're to say, I'm going to go and be planted, but not in a, you know, old timey country. Yeah, you'd better be planted you better be planted, you better have this, and you better have that, or we're going to watch you and talk about you. That is not what I'm saying. Not at all. I'm correcting that, frankly. It is a private matter should anyone feel they are to go to any kind of church for how long and how often. It is a private matter if they don't want to go because they feel they can't trust the people that go there or they are getting spooky Critical doctrine, they have nowhere else to go because they're landlocked in an area of you know, I've been around all of this, that's why I know the turf. I've been in rural, small town, cosmopolitan metroplexes, and I like the big metroplex better, far better, cosmopolitan better. So, I've been in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, I've been in uh, Charlotte, that's cosmopolitan, but with country as well, you know, like more urban and I mean worse it's just a nice mixture. Then I've been in the Metroplex for 15 years so I have paid my you know covered the grassroots. Never would I realize that I would but I did. So we're looking at how to be positive how to correct some errors that hurt people and it's only why I'm mentioning it because it hurts good people who are not under the law who never knew about that kind of doctrine—they didn't know the rules because they're not in the Bible—and they knew their Bible. So, if you want to do that, let's keep on talking about Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul's a healthy mentor. He teaches against division all over the place, and he lived in Asia Minor when he was in—he uh, was living in Asia Minor, Turkey, at the time he writes about the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was in a stronghold of multiculturalism, but really Temple Diana, Baal worship type era. It was a mega, mega business, mega church. Yet Paul was not setting up people, neither did Jesus, to look for witches, spy Jezebels, to scan people, never relate to them. No, that's what we got going now. Here, occult. Paul was not occult or cultish. So Paul was mature and man enough to do it but he did teach he told people if you read ephesians which is a great book only six chapters but highly meaty all right it talks about ephesians 1 6 to the churches it says everyone should be accepted in the beloved accepted in the beloved what does that imply it means respected as a pure-hearted person should respect another. Respected because you're valued and loved by God, whether you're perfect or not, whether you're a man or not, whether you're black or brown or white or not, you're equal. You are you're, should be valued and respected. That is the lowest, to me, that's the lowest bar of saying you're a Christian and being a ministry is to really respect people, not to look at them as a formula typecast to devalue certain styles or looks or genders, or to make a big deal about their outer court. You know, they're not attractive like those are. That is what we got, though. We really got, we got to get rid of it. It's a lot of ego, a lot of flesh, and a lot of sin, a lot of sin, disrespect. And why do I say that? To be mean? No, it hurts God's it hurts people, and then they won't go to church. They'll pull out because they're getting a friendly fire fellowship from such straightaway command. Apostle Paul, Second Timothy three one through five. So if we look at Apostle Paul, he gives you great clues to teach on Ephesians one six accepted in the beloved everyone, Ephesians two fourteen. Jesus Christ, He is our peace, who's broken down every wall of partition to make us both one. Does anyone teach that? Does anyone know that? No. Look at all the division in churches, in Christians, racism, denominationalism, fan club followers. He is our peace. You know, Paul writes against celebrity, but they didn't call it celebrity back then. They just said, I am for Apollos. No, I'm for Paul, that rivalry, that division in 1 Corinthians 1 and 3 that Paul is against and rebukes the leaders for. So all these things are relationship issues, family issues, and the fruit is family accusation, fruits, friendly fire fruits. And that's why I'm teaching on it also to stir up doctrinal thinking. If I could have my way, my real way, I'd think, you know, I hope people that don't go to church, that were sort of wounded by it, never grew up around it, had a daddy who beat them with, you know, hounded them about the Bible, their mama criticized them about that. I would love people that are like that, that are really gifted, really called, have the talent and the skill. And I would like you to study the Bible with the freedom I'm teaching and then you come up with your own, with God giving you words and messages that are pure and hearted, so you can help me instruct many people about a future church. I don't believe we should have it the same old, same old. It will not be the same old, same old. God has had it. It is my opinion. He has had it. He's had it with the self-style critics. He's had it with the Eli, temporal high priesthood, users, accusers, and anti-female and taking the money for themselves he's i'm surely fed up with the lost first love lampstands and the playtime showbiz and not the people but just that portrayal the ministry portrayal of inauthentic real leadership So I've been out with the, didn't know I'd ever know this, but the Jezebel spying crowds. They won't speak. They just love to scan, deep scan, stare at you, try to read your mind. And then it's just, it is just abysmal. It is just bad fruit. It is just occult, evil eye on a visitor. That's all this is. Now, if they want to scan, I'll give you scan lessons. I'm a seer. I can teach on healthy scanning. You can scan. It's when you have elders that are so rude and they demean people. They invade people. They defile people because I'm a prophet and I've been defiled by these several times because as a prophet, I know I'm being scanned. I know these white people are scanning me and they're not loving. They're not friendly. They're my critic. They're doing it from afar, and it's accusing. It is defiling because it's invasive. It's rude, plain old simple rude, because the ministry doesn't love enough to chat with you and find out who you really are. This is a huge thing around America. When I was 24, people probably know this, the Lord said, study the body of Christ. And for 40 some years, I've studied it. The Lord said, know their doctrine, their, their lifestyle, know their different kinds of pet peeves things that make them angry, their music, their basic fashion, and I have. And that's why I'm teaching. Because he also said along that time, if you see something that hurts people or my good name, three times or more, I'm showing it to you because I'm seeing a lot more than that. I want you to be bold and upfront, confront it and teach on it because I'm telling you to. And that's what I'm doing this for. It's for the, It's for him, not me. I have really been through a lot of pain on behalf of this. I have learned how to get healed, and I can help you, because they do give, you know, this is demonic warfare. I feel joyful. I feel peaceful. It's it's liberated me. I was raised liberated. I was never a women's liber. I didn't have to be, because I wasn't raised around this kind of crowd. I wasn't raised charismatic, tongue-talker. This is all, to my knowledge, only white tongue-talker. There could be some... Brown skin somewhere, but basically, I I have to say it is a subculture that is huge, limiting the move of God, limiting the American move of God, and this is not an American move of God. This is a everybody's move of God, and it's not just white. It's not going to be just white whelp saying they own everybody. They're over everybody. (laughs) When I first started to film this tonight, I had really thought of it. I don't know why, but it really does bother me that I find out how much charismatic debris is out there with too many people. I'm for the people themselves, but the false teaching is so much that I really didn't know about it. Because if you look at the fruit, you can tell it's false. First of all, scowling faces means phariseeism the scale of false doctrine but also minding people's business is the worst discovery i have ever had it shows impurity it shows immaturity and also ego it shows i don't know what is it need to get a low self-esteem that's one thing i do not have i don't have money but i've got a lot of steam high esteem i really do and i I really try to keep my ego, you know, I try to keep myself meek in James 3.17, but I don't think this crowd ever heard of anything like that. I go back to my dad and mom, though. I was raised around family and grandparents as well. They are all real mature Christians, very stable, very honest, very genteel, not ego. They were really servant leaders coming out of maybe the Billy Graham type era. Now, I don't have to be like them, but I want to be like them, like that. And they were, they never, I never heard them ever accuse anybody, ever be racist, ever anyone gossip, not a one, none of them. They had the fear of the Lord, yet they were merry and joyful. And my cousins and extended family that were real believers were just down to earth, real people, not celebrity. And I'm happier without celebrity. I don't want this to be celebrity. But I'm saying there's a lot of mixture in the body of Christ in teaching and also the personification of Christianity because of TV. And that's what I'm calling attention to and about celebrity. You know, in the Bible, I've researched celebrity. First, I would say Paul would be horrified. Jesus might be horrified at what goes on. Of course, they know it right now, but because it's so anti-servant it's so it keeps people prisoner to persona and it has a lot to do with funding okay paul teaches community the bible in the old testament i looked it up there is such a thing as having renown which is fine you can have like solomon would have renown today we'd call him famous all right I'm not trying to accuse, I'm trying to assess based on the fruit, and a lot of it is not pure fruit. It is a lot of pushing and fighting to get ahead. It's success fruit, Demas fruit, Demas fruit with occasional Eli's in there. In the population, some Enoch's, we want Enoch's first love, but not Demas's or especially not impure systemites of Eli, Temple, priesthood. So we look at the condition of our nation is why I'm doing it. And then what is the church got to do with it? We look at their hearts, their character, their representation of Christ. And that's the reason because our nation is in decline. What happened to the church somewhere? Because my Bible teaches me going way back to Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if God's promise that our land would be healed. And our land is not healed, so we're not acting on the promises. What does that promise say? It says, God promises, says, if. That also means when. When my people, finally get around to it, when my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven And I'll heal their land. I don't think it's too late, but it's getting toward too late. It might be too late. I hope not. But I think we got a remnant out there that is going to really move and shake a lot of things. But a lot of things are going to be shaken because their church needs to be waked up. A lot of things are going to shake people because the church is so full of their dull of perception. It's like Eli... It's like Demas, but it's also like Isaiah, Isaiah 1 through 3. The warning of Isaiah 1 through 10, God gave me a few years ago in Dallas, and it was about to warn the leaders of God's people that they had little g-gods, they were following false religion, and they had vanity, superiority vanity. And that that was calling them in Isaiah 5.20 to be calling good, evil, evil, good. I, I say that's like witch watchers if they can't tell an elijah from a jezebel which they can't many of these can't because i'm in there and they call me one when i'm not even a i'm there calmly sitting james 317 fruit all the time 250 percent of the time and nobody has the, any desire to go chat and find out if it's true it is just appalling this is just a bit it's just horrible Thinking you can read somebody, scan them, diagnose them with pop psychology, then pronounce them evil, and, and you've never... Uh, it's just horrible. It is, a, it is an abomination. So we're calling attention because this is not just one group or one style. Several styles do it, but mostly are these whelp. You can have good things in the whelp, but you can have bad, some really serious... Immoral, immoral, immoral things in any group. But I'm calling attention. This is occult, occult, cult, and psychic spectral evidence. Google that, everybody. Spectral evidence. Is that. I have to teach on it to clear out my path because these people are always trying to gum up the works by praying against me, by giving me the evil eye, by labeling me, gossiping and doing backbiting and undermining even false witness. So I'm just making it plain because they don't do it just to me. They're doing it to many tons of people and it's ruining the Holy Spirit fields. If you can't go in there and trust, if it's all Friendly Fire Fellowship making it big, I don't think that represents the Holy Spirit. That's the false governing spirit. So let's think on that. Let's examine that. Feel free. I'm I'm not calling out dogma. I'm calling out sila. You hear what you hear and you see if it's right. So we got a lot of teaching of governmental teaching and authority that is off because it's creating these systems and this bowing and scraping and this celebrity wannabe and the the anointing is being withstood. See, and if you read the leadership warning by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah one through ten, if you get to chapter ten, verse twenty seven, you'll find out that the reason God was upset. And having the prophet call out the sins of his elders, his leaders, God's people, not the foreign nations. Was their little g gods, their little uh, falling false religion, their vanity superiority, was making them dull of discernment, Isaiah five twenty. But even more, it was blocking the heads of God's people, the top leaders were blocking the Holy Spirit move that would make their necks so fat with his anointing, the yoke-breaking anointing it mentions, that the fierce Assyrian foreign nation couldn't take them over. However, they were doing it, they were causing trouble and blocking the anointing, which is what we've been getting now with all these systems and legalisms and requirements and do's and don'ts that aren't even in the New Testament. Trying to make it big. Keeping people in your cult, coven, click, clan system, algorithm. Just make sure that money's coming in. That is just sick. It is sick. Do I like them? Yeah, I'm not mad at them. But I am given the word of the Lord. I'm sorry. Um, So we want to do the right thing. We want to know... But first of all, what is the right thing? Do you think we really know the right thing if we don't even know we're teaching the law that we've got strict rules that aren't even in the New Testament? So let's go to our Bible one more time. This is where I was hoping people that have never known that they could be teachers of the Bible would start to get freedom to do it in private, that they don't have to do it, you know, you don't have to be part of these systems of professional ministry or whatever unless you want to be of course that's fine whatever i teach both ways do whatever god says is my way so let's start again with how do we teach how do we tell if our ministry or the people we sit under or the people we want to follow after are under the law or they're off all right one of the ways to do it is to know about their doctrine So how do you do that? Well, let's look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at his relationships. This is my abiding James 3.17 relationship theology. I have a website, a teaching on that coming out of this. All you have to do to find out if you've got the law or they're teaching the law is read Jesus when he was alive in ministry on earth with his mother Mary, with the all the different kinds of people of different levels and styles and read Jesus's relationships, how he acted and reacted in every one. And when you read every one of those in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you're going to find that he was not a stone thrower. He was not an accuser. He was not a misogynist. He was not disrespectful. He didn't, I mean, he respected his mother. He didn't go around looking for flaws, (laughs) He didn't do bowing and scraping, but he had to put up with accusation from guess who? The in crowd at the temple, the mammon chasing systemites called Pharisees and Sadducees. And that's what we got today. Exactly. When I researched, because God was speaking to me, especially in Dallas for 15 years. All right. He showed me Obadiah. Isaiah. Yes. Obadiah. Obadiah was when the warning From the prophet Obadiah, the national prophet said the Esau relatives, the Edomites, are infiltrating Jacob, the children of Israel, in their leadership and their priests, and they are the mammon chasers. They're the hireling priesthood. So when that gets worse and worse, this is my opinion, by the time... They come out after the Old Testament ends. There's 400 silent years. They come out with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with the Pharisees, who are Jesus' worst accusers and nightmares. The historian that I was researching said that the time Jesus' day, the Pharisees were Edomites. They were hireling priesthood. That means the majority were, not all, because they always have a remnant. And to me, I believe that John the Baptist, father Zacharias, was a remnant. He was not one of those hirelings. But even Herod the king, that murdered the babies, and G- you know, trying to get rid of Jesus, scared he'd lose his power, position, and perks. He was an Edomite. So we got the similar thing in ministry today. We have Edomite ministry, hireling priesthood. That's Demas. That's Eli. That's not Enoch. Walking it out slowly could be a tortoise, could be a hare, just doing whatever God says. To me, the best illustration is the wedding of Cana when Mary said to Jesus, before he turned the water into wine, she talked to the servants and said, whatever he says to you, do it. That's Enoch. That's the lifestyle. Don't do it unless Jesus tells you. And that's how I live. That's how I've lived all my life. By God's grace. So I'm just trying to stir up new thought to provoke Bible study. I'm trying to provoke envy, godly envy, holy envy. Man, I wish I could think like that. Man, I wish I could come up with ideas like that. Man, I wish I knew that. Yeah, you can. Just get on your knees. Just go to God and take time out to do it and learn. You have to love God. Paul says, you know, Paul was an outcast, i got to finish, but Paul was an outcast with the first church. The first twelve apostles discipled by Jesus, Paul wasn't good enough because he'd been a murderer and they didn't trust him. Maybe they didn't like his energy because he represented a different sort of move, a different level. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But for some reason, Paul was not approved by Peter and Barnabas and the whole first twelve, the elite handpicked by Jesus, and so he went up to be with Arabia, up in Arabia, Damascus, with the Arabs for 14 years. Well, he comes back, and he tells us in Ephesians one seventeen, he says how he got his many abundance of the revelations. Here's how he got it. He prayed for the churches, and he said, I pray that all of you all would have more of God's wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. Now see, this is the secret of how you can get yours over there. All right, you can get yours by asking for it. Lord, I want, we want more wisdom, supernatural free wisdom. We want more Holy Spirit revelation downloads in our knowledge of you. The knowledge is of him, not about him, not books and tapes and preachers talking about him but you actually get with the lord in a relationship a first love relationship whether it's in your car whether it's in your mansion whether it's in the you're by yourself or in your office whatever you just do it and god and you can work it out he'll give you ideas he'll give you a knowing you just didn't know you'd ever think that i also found that when i pray in the spirit i excuse me that really helped me stir up that gift. Praying in the Spirit, it's like you take a uh, praying in tongues, you know, as you drive or whenever you want to do it. Just take time out to do it. It is quickening your your, your ability to get things from the Lord. It has really done that with me. There are many practical pragmatic tips about praying in tongues it doesn't take it's glossolalia my dad's seminary word my dad went to the baptist seminary but he never spoke in tongues yet he was probably the most loving godly man i've ever met and he wasn't a legalist he went back under the law loved my mother had fun relaxed was a nice just fun a smart man but the issue is we don't have to do it anybody's way at all We have to know God's way and do what he says in God's way and what his way is for you. But you can't do it if you're going to be filled with false teaching. If you're going to think, oh, I know it all. I've heard it all. Yeah, it's just one more person saying it. And you're really under the law, the fault-finding law, you're off. You're really off. If you don't even know, if you're not mature and you don't know about common doctrine... One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, which is the criteria for being a real Christian, so you don't get, you know, that you know what a false and true pastor, prophet, apostle, and so forth are, and yourself and your friends, then you are off. You can be off because you're not teaching the Bible sound doctrine. You're not teaching sound doctrine. You're teaching frittering around doctrine. And there's nothing wrong with having extras if you're not. Unless you leave out the basics, which is the core, community, relationships, love, fear of the Lord, joy, getting along. It's like a family, not a prison. It shouldn't be a family like a prison, not a prison or a system or a business. It's about the Lord and a family. No matter what kind of church you want, fancy or plain, house church or man, you know. Solomon or Mother Teresa, it doesn't matter. You just do what God says, but it should be a family down deep. Anyway, my film is going to run out. I've got to go. This is Tavo DRC coming to you from Tavo Creative Leadership or Tavo Creative Ministries. Please write at dfwleader at com if you want to ask questions, if you want me to answer something and do a podcast about it, if you want to be mentored, if you want to know more, let me know. And we're really open to being very, very multicultural. That's my field. God bless you. He loves you. He wants you. God bless. Have a great day.